This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to the ninth edition of the 2019 Jets Offseason Roundtable. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And leading off the roundtable today is a fellow Jets podcaster. He's a co-host of one of the most popular Jets podcasts out there. You may have called into it, actually. He hosts the show with Long Beach Joe, Mr. Tyson Roush, the co-host of Let's Talk Jets. What's going on, Tyson? What's up, man? Long time no talk. It's good to talk some football with you. Absolutely, man. I'm really glad we were able to do this in between you teaching guys how to beat people up in the MMA gyms. So let's talk a little bit about the Jets offseason here, and we'll start with what they've already done. They kept Mike McCagnin, and they brought in Adam Gase as their next head coach. What are your thoughts on both of these moves? Well, if anybody knows me, I'm not a fan of Mike McCagnin. Um, I think the Jets took the, the easy way out by keeping him. Um, so now you have a general manager, in my opinion, is on the hot seat this year which could be a bad thing when you have $100 million to spend. I think it's just – I think it was a foolish move. Um, I'm completely against it. But as a fan, you got to kind of now embrace it and say, hey, you know what? All right, hopefully he finally learned his lesson, but his, you know, third time spending a ridiculous amount of money. So that was – you know, McHagan, I think, was just a poor choice of keeping him. The, the Adam Gaze thing, man, was just like, you know, of all the candidates, he's the one I didn't want um, for a variety of reasons, just based on his track record in Miami this interactions with the players his arrogance his take it or leave it mindset with no resume behind him to prove it i don't care what peyton manning tells me so for me he wasn't the candidate i wanted and then he put together a combustible staff where now it's like this is either going to be a stroke of pure brilliance or an absolute train wreck like i think there's no gray area here i think you're going to have a a staff that's going to be yeah they're going to be up tempo fiery and aggressive which is fine but once you start losing the take-it-or-leave-it approach goes out the window. The arrogance goes out the window. You start pissing players off, and that's when you have the issues in Miami. Like, players won't buy in. Like, you can be, you can be a pain in the ass when, you, when you're Bill Belichick or Bill Parcells or a guy that's won Super Bowls. When you've accomplished basically nothing in the NFL in terms of winning football games and winning, you know, long playoff runs, all this stuff, it's hard to have that kind of mentality and mindset on the sideline. Then you added Greg Williams and the whole Joe Vitt saga and all this stuff. It's just, like I said, to me, it's... The, the Jets were trying to be, you know, everybody sold us this whole Adam Gase offensive innovator and all this great stuff. And, every, you know, now everybody's regurgitating the same company line that we've all been preached to by the media. But if you look a little bit further and the problems that are there and some of the concerns that you have, they're legitimate. And if you don't think so, you're just you're just you're, you're drinking Kool-Aid. So for me, it's either going to be awesome or in two years we're having the same conversation again. Like, oh, who's the next hire we have? Because the Jets were a complete, you know, traveling roadshow. Yeah, that's pretty much the way I look at it. And if you want to learn a little bit more about Gase's tenure in Miami, you can go into our archives. We did a whole candidate profile on Adam Gase featuring Travis Wingfield of Locked On Dolphins, who also has a lot of contacts within the beat reporter community with the Dolphins. And so there were a lot of interesting nuggets there. And you can also listen to one of his shows, the January 3rd edition. He had Joe Shad from the Palm Beach Post on to talk about a lot of the locker room issues that were going on under Gase. So I'm with you on that. I think this is either going to be a huge triumph or a spectacular failure. Either way, it's going to be well worth watching. And this is, I'm sure, why there are rumors that the NFL was planning to ask the Jets to do hard knocks, although according to Manish Med of the Daily News, it looks like they're not interested either even if they are asked. And you talked about the possible combustible situation with the coaching staff, Tyson. There are people that have been waving that away, saying every coaching staff have problems, but that seems like more than your normal problem, right? 
It is. And the problem is this. Listen, Gaze is coming here, but the expectations are to win and win early. The expectation is for this offense to be good and good early, and Darnold's got to be playing significantly better. So you have all these factors. Then you have Greg Williams, who's going to be out to prove himself because he wanted to be a head coach. You know what I mean? And then it's just like, all right, you have that. You have all these other guys that are trying to make their statement to get their next job. So I think it's, there's going to be there could be some pissing contests on the sideline. You could have all these things, which to me is not productive. So, you know, everybody wants to discount it now because everybody bought into what the Jets are selling us, an innovative staff. We're no longer zombies. We're emotional. We're getting the most out of our players. But that remains to be seen. I just think when push comes to shove, you know, if, if Greg Williams' defense is giving up, you know, 200 yards rushing in the second half of the game and Adam Gates go down and rips his ass, how's that going to go down? I mean, is he, he going to tell him to screw off? Are they going to fight in the sideline? Like, what's going to happen? And is that productive for a young team? The one thing you're going to have here is a very young, impressionable team that's looking for their leadership and guidance after, a, what, three or four terrible seasons? So now it's like you're, you're trying to mold something here. And is that the right environment for all this? And, you, and you know, you don't really know. And the Joe Vitt, Greg Williams thing certainly has potential. Oh, ridiculous. <laughs> it's a, only the Jets would do something like that. And everybody's like, oh, he only testified against them and this and that. Like, the fact that that whole drama exists is a problem. And it's just, you know how it is, man. Like, we're humans. Humans have emotions and feelings. And when push comes to shove and when going gets tough, something, something gets going. The, the past can come back very quickly. So to discount all these things and say, no, everything's going to be fine, it's just foolish. Yeah, 100%. I think that if Gase and McCagney are going to prove you wrong and prove me wrong, they're going to have to do it with results on the field, period, end of sentence. And I'm not saying that it can't happen. It certainly could. And if it does, it's going to happen based on the strength of the players that McCagney and Gase sit down together and decide to bring oh. in. And that's going to start with free agency. So let's talk about that a little bit, Tyson. And we'll get to Le'Veon Bell at the end. But first... Tell me about some positions you'd like them to fix in free agency and some specific players that you have your eye on. Well, you know, you know what pisses me off about McCagnon is now he's he, everybody. He made everybody the scapegoat, scapegoat but himself. So now the players that were brought in, like now he's blaming what? He blamed Ardarius Stewart and Chad Hans. He's blaming all these guys because this is who Todd Bowles wanted. He blamed it. Oh, well, you know, when push came to shove, he always gave in to his coaching staff. I don't necessarily buy that, but whatever. So now you go into this free agency and now there's, this team has a lot of holes, and this is the other problem I have with McCagney. Everybody is telling me or selling me how good of a job he's done. He built this foundation, all these things, and this team has holes everywhere at major positions. Like It's not like he, when he took this job, he needed what? A left tackle. He needed a center. He needed you know a, a number one corner. He needed a pass rusher. He needed all these things, and you go into this offseason, guess what? We need a good portion of them again. Like A lot of the problems we had when he came here, other than Sam Darnold, hasn't been addressed. So now you go in the free agency, we need a pass rusher. Obviously, we no doubt need a pass rusher. We need it since John Abraham. As Jet fans, we all know that. Fine. The problem is a good portion of them are going to be franchise tag. So now you're going to say, okay, after, after the tags go through, who do you want? Because it be competition for them. Just because the Jets have $100 million doesn't mean they're going to get whoever they want because now you've got to sell a program to somebody. If we have the same offer as the Indianapolis Colts or the Baltimore Ravens or whoever else, do you want to play for Adam Gaze or do you want to play for Frank Reich? Do you want to play? You know, like that's the problem. Like the money's not going. The money is a huge factor. But if you have similar offers, are can you sell this program? Can you sell playing with Sam Darnold and Jamal Adams and playing for this coaching staff as opposed to other coaching staffs? 
So now, with you know, obviously, free agency, you know, we all want the same players. You know, I think Trey Flowers is on everybody's wish list, you know, and the whole story that, well, the Patriots aren't resigning and he's a bad player. No, they can't afford him, period. The guy's a phenomenal player. He'd be a great fit here. Now it's a matter of can you get it done. So it's players like, you know, obviously pass rusher, center is a huge problem. I mean, that's my, I mean, Spencer Long was a complete disaster. So now you have, you know, center, you have left guard. You need a, a good receiver, but there's nobody really available. So I, I think my biggest fear in free agency, to be completely honest with you, is overpaying for marginal players. That That is my biggest because the expectation is Mike McCagan has to make a splash. He's This has been the Jets thing is clear out cap space, make a big splash. You know, we're going to get so much better this year. And the free agent class is average after the franchise tax. So now you worry about, is he going to overpay for a Dante Fowler? Is he going to overpay for a guy? just because he has the money and the pressure to get something done. And that right there leads to Le'Veon Bell and a point that a lot of people have made about him, which is that if you don't pay Le'Veon Bell, you're going to have to overspend on marginal players. And so if you're going to spend, why not spend on top-shelf talent like Bell? Is that pretty much where you're coming from with him? Yeah, listen, I'm not I'm not in the group where Le'Veon Bell makes or breaks my offseason. I, 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 he doesn't for me. Listen, I understand. I completely understand, you know, understand his talent, what he brings to the passing game, what he brings to the running game, how he can help Sandor. I agree with all that. But he's not going to make or break my team. If he comes here great and they pay him top dollar, you know, obviously you front load it, make it like, you know, a good two-year deal where you can get out of it in three years or whatever. But I, I get it. But, dude, he's not, he's not the end-all, be-all for this team. Like there are other options out there, you can get lesser options. But if anything, you got to establish the foundation of your football team. You know what that is? It's your offensive line. Because you can have the best running back and the best wide receiver. If your quarterback's getting his ass kicked, it's not going to matter. And the center position, like Kevin Mawai just made the Hall of Fame. Nick Mangold is another guy. He's an excellent, excellent center for years. That is your anchor. And we can't get that freaking position right. That, to me, is a bigger concern than running back is getting a good center that you could pair with Sam Darnold for the next five to seven years. Get a guy there that they can develop a relationship, you know, and that's, you know, that's what you need. And then you get the left guard. You get the four or five guys in your line you can trust, you know, week in and week out for 16 weeks for the next couple of years, and then you can build winning football. And, you know, but chasing Bell doesn't bother me. I expect it. I, you know, and personally, I don't think they're going to get him. I think he goes somewhere else to probably a team that has a better chance to win that's going to offer the same kind of money. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. 
With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. What are your thoughts on the trade market? Antonio Brown, AJ Green, guys like that, others that may be available. Anybody you'd pursue there? Interesting. AJ Green, I've always liked him, but he's coming off an injury. So you figure, all right, can he pass a physical? When is he going to pass a physical? And what can he give to you this year? That's the question with AJ Green. Um, you know, I think you probably can get him for a lot less than Antonio Brown. So you have to consider at this point, I consider any option. Antonio Brown is interesting because Phenomenal player, but his off-the-field stuff is just off the charts right now. It's like he's a social media nightmare. You know, he may, may or may not have quit on a team last year. He does weird things in the locker room. Now he's got some, you know, speeding issues and weather court nonsense. That's a lot to bring to the table for Sam Darnold. Now, it's like, all right, if you look at the talent, his productivity, he'd be the man in New York. There would be no dispute. There'd be no drama. Like, that's it. He's the guy. But is it worth it? You know, I, that I could take that one or leave one, too. You know, it's... You know, it's it's wide receiver position is tough, man. Like there was that whole Mike Evans thing a, a while back. Would he be available? I would sell my soul for Mike Evans. I'd have no problem doing that. Productive player, younger. You know, he's a just he's a very good player. You just you got to kind of figure what's going to be good for this locker room that could potentially be volatile based on the coaching staff. And it's like I said earlier, it's like it's impressive. There's so many young guys. So is that the kind of guy you want to add to this mix? You know, AJ Green definitely a value guy. Antonio Brown, oof, that's tough. You know, then you, you say, you know, would you consider a guy like Muhammad Sanu, you know, a guy down in Atlanta who they have a ton of receivers down there. Can you maybe sneak him out and what would that cost? Or do you consider a guy like Golden Tate for two years who's like a veteran guy, still productive, but not a building block for the future? So it's, I mean, what do you think about Antonio Brown? Like, I, I don't like, you like you see the player, but the all the stuff that comes with him, it's a lot, man. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a very tricky situation because especially if you're able to add Le'Veon Bell, number one, the two of them are friends, so that's an attractive option. And on top of it, look at what you could do for Sam Darnold. And also, if you make a few other good moves, now all of a sudden the Jets are an instant playoff contender, so there's temptation there. But like you said, he's going to be 31 years old. He's done some really weird stuff off the field a lot of really weird stuff, and you chronicled some of it. He's also had some problems in the past as well. So do you want to bring a guy like that in here and possibly upset the apple cart? But on the other end of it, he's so talented that there could be some short-term games that would outweigh it. I don't know that I would do it, but I would at least look into it because at this point, if you're the Jets, if a guy that good is available, if nothing else, you kind of kick the tires. But end of the day, I probably wouldn't make a move like that. I will say this, though. If I'm not going to go into the trade market and get a difference maker, I'm definitely going to look to do it in free agency or in the draft. And the difference maker could be on either side of the ball. It could be an offensive difference maker for Darnold or a defensive difference maker because, let's be honest, they need plenty of those too. So let's talk about this, Tyson. They go into the draft. They've got the number three pick. And then they've got a bunch of picks after that. They've got two third rounders, none in the second round, though, because of the Darnold trade. What would you be looking to do at number three? Is there a player you like? Would you want to trade down? And then what about the middle rounds? Are there specific positions you'd like to address? Any players you like? Yeah, this this is a great question. And, like, you know, 
I think everybody falls in love with Bosa and Allen, and that's you know every Jeff fan. You can you can talk about their resumes forever, and then it's like, are they there three or are they not? If they're not there, then it gets interesting because now it's like, I think in my personal opinion, it's like you have to truly consider trading down and, and see the most you can get. I mean, the Jets could do the opposite of what they did last year. Last year they traded up because they had to get a player. This year is there at three a slam dunk guy that you think can completely change the direction of his franchise at three, and if not, trade down. And I think, you know, you can make a case for, you know, people want to talk about, you know, Williams and all these different players at three, but it's like, man, you got to see what they're offering you to trade down and consider it. If you can trade down and go back down to six or seven and still get a federal from Clemson or get a, a legitimate pass rusher, or you can get an offensive lineman that you really covet, you, you got to consider it. I mean, the Jets aren't one player away. And I think it's like, it's foolish to think so. I think a lot of people are saying, oh, if we get Nick Bosa, we're going to the Super Bowl. No, not really. I mean, it's a piece that we definitely need, but you got to really look at how many holes are on the roster, how many agents that we could lose, what we got to bring in, and the future. Like, no more band aids and no more short term fixes. If you can add, instead of adding one elite player, you could add four very good players. You know, that's what you got to look at. And I think that's what you do. In terms of later on in the draft, like I'm, I just started all my draft preparations. I've been trying to figure out free agency nonsense and everything else. But, you know, the one thing about Le'Veon Bell, if you don't get him, is there a law against drafting a running back? Like, you know, the third round or something? I mean, everybody, instead of paying $18 million for Bell or 17 or $16 million, whatever, look at how many running backs recently in the last three or four years that have done very well coming out of the draft. I mean, people want to, like, just discount James Conner because, oh, well, it's the, it's the Steelers' offense. Okay, but look at all these other young running backs. They're having a huge impact on their team, and they're later on in the draft. Like, why can't the Jets do that? And, and then you have to, then the other thing that everybody talks about is like, listen, if you don't make a trade for a wide receiver, okay, and you don't you don't sign anybody, you go, you don't want to go for Golden Tate or whoever else, Devin Funches, who I hate. If you don't want to go that route. We can't draft one because McCagney sucks at it. Well, well, if he sucks at it, he should have been fired, but he wasn't. You can't draft in fear now. So everyone you talk, everyone you, you interview about the draft, whether it's Jeff Lloyd, Connor Rogers, whoever else, they say it's a very unique draft class in terms of wide receivers. Like any shape and size and ability, anything you want, you can find in this draft. It's like a versatile group. It's like it's like a mix and match group. You can get your you can get your guy. So why not do that then? Like, but it's just now it's on McCagney, man. Like we, we, he he gets no more passes. He has no more excuses because we have legitimate holes, and you can't always use free agency as your crutch. You can't always say, you know, we got $100 million, now we're going to fix all our holes. No, the holes are supposed to be fixed by your draft. So now it's like wide receiver, running back, and the other position nobody really talks about is corner. I mean, the Jets could be down to what? Screen, Mo Claiborne could be gone. We have no idea what Nickerson is. They wouldn't play Derek Jones, and I have no idea why, because I think he's a good player. You have a legitimate, you have probably three holes in your secondary that you have to fix. So now you're going to need a corner if you don't get one of free agency. So there's, there's so many different holes. And then the last part is, we talked about it earlier, is offensive line. McCann doesn't freaking draft linemen. And, I, and when he does, he cuts them. Like, I don't like, at some point you need a young core that you can build with and develop and mold, you know, to be starters next year or two years from now. So these are all areas, man, that you have to try to finally address and stop cutting your damn draft picks. And if they're going to do that, they're going to have to do it both through the draft, free agency, possibly through the trade market, and bring in a bunch of new talent. And when they do, that new talent is going to have to wear new uniforms. This has been a topic that a lot of people have loved to talk about. 
I've been kind of vocal in the fact that I don't really care that much, but it means a lot to a lot of people. So, Tyson, let's start with this. Does it mean anything to you? And also, what do you think that the uniforms are ultimately going to look like? I can guarantee you this. I'll make a bold guarantee for you. I guarantee you the day the uniforms are announced, half of the fan base will hate them. I guarantee you. <laughs> dude, I, I honestly don't care. I mean, listen, I've never... Like, it's fun to joke around about this, and there's so much hoop like, oh, new uniforms, a new age of Jets football. Listen, unless this uniform guarantees three or four more wins this year or the next four years or whatever it is, I honestly don't care. I don't care. Like, it doesn't – I don't care if they're black, yellow, purple, I, you know, whatever. Like, just win football. Like, winning football makes you sell tickets. Like, that's what we all want to see. You know, it's it's funny. I mean, I'm sure they'll go back to their old-school logo or add some kind of flair to it, but, dude – I truly, honestly don't care, and, I, and I'm amazed how much time and energy you spent on articles and just things on this. <laughs> it's just, it's mind blowing, man. Like I don't know. Hey, I guess there's something for everybody. I don't know. Yeah, I can't imagine caring that much about uniforms, but everybody's different. For me, if the team wins, I don't care what they're wearing, but I guess for some people it's a big deal. I've always been a guy that doesn't really care about sneakers either, but some people are really into those too. So. What do I know, man? Everybody's different, right? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 so funny. You get so many tweets about it, and are they leaking any? You know, Jamal Adams is leaking like little news, and Darren Lee's all hyping it up. But I'm like, dude, you can have brand new uniforms, but if you can't tackle or catch the ball, it doesn't make a difference. That's really all it comes down to, and we're going to see what the Jets look like in 2019 soon enough because we've got free agency right around the corner, and then the draft. There'll be some cuts in camp and all of that, and we're really going to see how this team takes shape. I'm excited if for no other reason than we've got the possibility of a franchise quarterback or at least the makings of one and the fact that if things go badly, they could go badly in a very entertaining way based on the way that the coaching staff is made up. So even if things go poorly, it could be entertaining around here. And I guess that's kind of a consolation prize for if things don't go the way that we want them to. Tyson Roush, he's the co-host of Let's Talk Jets and a contributor over at TOJ. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate you sharing your thoughts on the roundtable. For anybody that doesn't know where to find you, why don't you go ahead and let them know. Well, thank you for having me, Scott. I always appreciate talking to you guys. You guys, oh, it's just phenomenal content, phenomenal insight, and there's, it's just it's just quality, man. So I definitely appreciate your time and having me on. I love arguing with you, too, so that's always a highlight. Um, on Twitter, at TRoush21, and Let's Talk Jets Radio. We're live every Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. Uh, that's at Talk Jets Radio. So check us out there. Definitely appreciate it, man, and we got to do this again soon. Yeah, 100%, man. We'll do a crossover episode, you, me, and Joe. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, we'll, we'll be chaos. <laughs> Damn right, man. Best kind of chaos, too. Can't wait. Hey, guys. This is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next up on the roundtable is somebody that you know not just for his great writing over at Pro Football Weekly or his takes on Twitter, some of which involve some, I don't want to disparage him, but nerdy comic book takes, but also somebody who's been on our network before. He was a judge on What's Your Point with Dalvin Asario 
and Paulie Brzez. I'm really glad that he was able to take a few minutes to talk about the Jets offseason with me here on the roundtable, Mr. Andrew Garda. Andrew, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, I can't complain. It's a gorgeous day. Uh, as we were talking about pre-show, there's no 15 to 20 inches of snow on the ground, and I can actually breathe outside without pain. So that's good. I like to say that's win-win-win for everybody involved, especially if you're somebody that comes from a cold-weather climate. No matter how much you like snow, as I was saying to you, Andrew, nobody likes driving in snow. <laughs> no, no. Although I lived in L.A. For, for a fairly long stretch, and I lived on a road where uh, when it rained, nobody in L.A. can drive on the rain, like at all. And we always said if it snowed or even got a little bit of ice, we were going to get a bunch of chairs, uh, get a cooler full of beer, and just sit there and watch people go sideways down the street. So... It could be worse. Andrew, you could have stopped after you said the words, nobody in L.A. can drive. That would have been an accurate statement on its own. But, yeah, that's a pretty interesting form of entertainment. At least it's free, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, except for whatever it costs you for beer. So <laughs> This is true, and beer is definitely going to cost you more money than the mocha lattes that Mike McCagnin is getting at Starbucks. And Mike McCagnin is going to be getting plenty of those over the next couple of months as he prepares for free agency and the draft. So let's start with him. Andrew, what are your thoughts on the Jets keeping Mike McCagnin and not wiping the slate clean with both the coach and general manager? Well, I mean, on the one hand, I mean, this is what happens when you kind of back into a GM slot. You know, they, they wanted to get a coach, and then they got a GM, and it's not really the coach the GM would have wanted because, you know, it's, you, got, you want to give a GM a chance to have their own guy, and I get that. But you look at the track record, you know, both via free agency into a much more, you know, larger detriment, uh, his draft classes. I, I know we all love Sam Darnold, and Leonard Williams is great, but there's a lot of misses in McCagnin. You know, there have been a lot, of, a lot more misses than hits, and so, you know, there was a part of me that kind of wishes they had just completely gone scorched earth and, and changed out everyone. I understand why they didn't. But my concern is, I mean, I guess you've given McCagnin like a two-year window now. You're bringing Gase. They're not going to pull the ripcord on Gase that quickly unless it's a complete disaster. And, and if you're not getting rid of the head coach, then you're probably not going to get rid of the GM. So we've probably got McCagnin for a couple of years. So I hope I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like it was the wrong move to keep him around. It's not that I hate the guy. It's just there have been too many bad ideas that have come out, and not the least of which we got to watch implode again last week with the AAF, and that's Christian Hackenberg. So Christian Hackenberg kind of outweighs an awful lot of Williams and an awful lot of Darnolds. Andrew, i got to ask you about Adam Gase. And before the Jets hired Adam Gase, you wrote on Twitter almost like a child who had gotten in trouble at school and had to go up to the blackboard and write something a hundred times with chalk. Anybody but Gase, anybody but Gase, anybody but Gase. So I'm going to go ahead and guess that you're not a big fan of the hiring of Adam Gase as the new head coach of the New York Jets. Can you tell me why? Yeah, I do like his freaky, crazy eyes that, that he gets uh, photographed <laughs> with. I'll take those. I showed those to my 17-year-old, and he was like, what is wrong with this cat? Um, you know, here's the thing. Uh you know, we watch Gaze just not do anything with Miami. Miami never really felt like it improved offensively. Uh, defensively, they had issues. They were probably stronger defensively on a, on a year-to-year basis. But, you know, offense, he's supposed to be the sharp offensive mind. And I'm not Ryan Tannehill's biggest defender. Like, I'm never going to be mistaken for a stand of his. But, like, I just feel like you should have seen more from this offense that Gase put in that was supposed to be the next big thing. Devontae Parker was supposed to be great. And that never came about. You know, Kenny Stills, they kept thinking, was going to be this huge impact, and that never happened. You know, they get rid of uh, Jarvis Landry. I mean, 
I just feel like I didn't see anything in Gase that really moved me to think this is the guy I want uh, helping to develop Sam Darnold. And, and my biggest concern with the Jets getting a quarterback is not that they get the wrong quarterback, it's that they can't develop quarterbacks because it does feel like, you know, well, I mean, you know, since before Sanchez, but Sanchez is the best example of it, like this is not a team that has had a lot of luck in terms of developing a QB or guy under center. And so to me, it was super important to get someone in house who is going to be able to, who I was going to feel comfortable with, with Darnold moving forward. And Gase just isn't that guy. I didn't see anything at all in Miami that really spoke to me as this is a person who is really the quarterback whisperer that he is. To me, Gase is one of those guys. John Gruden is another you know whipping boy of mine whose reputation is far greater than his actual uh, execution. And so, you know, to me, I hope I'm wrong, you know, and then you add in things like half the team didn't seem to really like him down there. All of these things are concerns to me. Uh, you know, all of the different things you hear about how he spoke to the owner, which on the one hand, you know, if it was Woody Johnson, I would think he could use a swift kick in the rear end. <laughs> on the other hand, you know, you got to know where your role, as, as the rock would say, you know, do you really mouth off to Stephen Ross? Like, do you really push back on it? As much as I dislike Stephen Ross as an owner, there, there's kind of a limit to it. So, like, to me, I'm a little concerned. And then, you know, you could throw in the whole thing where people say, hey, once you've lost your first head coach job, the best thing in the world to do is take a beat and then come back a little bit later. You know, we saw Rex Ryan jump into a second job and that not go well. We saw Eric Mangini do the same thing. So Adam Gase, has he really had time to kind of analyze what didn't work in Miami, or is this a guy who thinks nothing in Miami was his fault, which is also a concern. So, I mean, I have a lot of questions. I deeply hope I'm wrong because I want this team to do well, and I think Darnold, with the right quarterback coach, with the right staff behind him, can be a special quarterback. I, I'm just I'm just very concerned. I think everybody is concerned but also somewhat excited because not only is Darnold here, but the Jets have $100 million to spend in free agency. So let's talk about how they can best spend that money. Andrew, we'll come back to Le'Veon Bell in a bit, but first, are there any specific targets that you like for the Jets and any positions you think they should be looking to fill in free agency? You know, I I think position-wise, if they can find an edge rusher, that would be good. I don't feel like there's a lot of home runs out there right now. Um, You you never know. (laughs) Right before free agency, all of a sudden people get cut. You know, right in free agency, people get cut. So it's possible someone will emerge that I get very excited about, but I don't really see anyone out there that I'm really excited about. I think they should take a very, very close look at offensive line prospects as they come through. I know this is a pretty talent-heavy draft from what I understand in terms of the O-line, so I'm not as worried, but you only have so many picks, and you can't put a, you know, you can't put five rookies on on the line. That's that's not going to work, so you need some good veteran presence. You know, they need a center. They need a couple of other positions along the line. So I'd like to see them look at those positions first and foremost. Would I love to see them get some more skilled position help for Darnold, like a legitimate top-end wide receiver? Sure. Um, do I want to just go out there and throw, you know, wa- throw my money into like a big you know, bonfire and hope it works out? Not necessarily. I mean, I think Antonio Bryan is a really intriguing possibility if you want to trade for him, but there's definitely some there's definitely some question marks there. As much as I don't think he's as at fault as some of the media is making him to be, he's certainly part of the problem. And so, you know, if you want to make a trade for him, what are you gonna you know what are you gonna spend? And then you're gonna have to give him a significant amount of money. But 
I, I think they do need some skill position players, but to me, they need an edge rusher, and I think they have needed an edge rusher since Rex Ryan left, and they need uh, some offensive line help. you got to protect your, your quarterback of the future. Sam Darnold needs someone to give him time to throw. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You brought up Antonio Brown, so let's talk about him a little bit and his former teammate, Le'Veon Bell. Brown is a guy that is widely expected to be traded at some point. There are even whispers about A.J. Green from the Bengals, some other guys that may be dangling on the trade market. What do you think about those possibilities on the trade market? What would you be willing to give up for somebody like Antonio Brown or A.J. Green if you were going to go that route? And then with Le'Veon Bell. What are your thoughts? Do you back up the truck? Do you give him anything that he desires, whatever it takes to get him in here? Or do you think that maybe it's not worth it for the Jets to go all out for him? Um, well, in terms of Antonio Bryant, like I, I'm really, like I said, I'm intrigued by him. Uh, I think skill-wise, he'd probably be the best wide receiver the Jets have had in I don't know how long. And some people have said, well, you know, we pulled in like Santonio Holmes. We've had Braylon Edwards. We've had other guys come in who were supposed to be these marquee guys, and then they fall flat. None of them have been Antonio Brown. Like, none of them have been as good as he is. I think if you were to trade for him and get him and give him a, a nice deal, I, I think he's going to be very motivated for the next couple of years to prove that he is good even without Ben Roethlisberger. So I'm not terribly worried about his production falling off or that he's not going to live up to the hype. Uh, but the thing is, is what is Pittsburgh going to want for him? Because I don't want to give up a first-round draft pick for him. And, you know, multiple picks, I'm a little concerned about, too. The Jets don't have all their picks to begin with, really. So uh, I don't know how much I'd want to spend on him. Uh, A.J. Green might be a more, I don't, I don't want to say reasonable, but a cheaper option. Uh, he's a little bit more banged up, uh, and he's definitely feels to me closer to the end of his career than the beginning of his career. But if you don't have to spend as much money, maybe gives you it buys you time to find your own you know, Antonio Brown, your own Julio Jones uh, via the draft or in, and, and development. And so I kind of, you know, I, I wouldn't mind Antonio Brown, but for a reasonable cost. And I don't know that that's going to exist. And so far as Le'Veon Bell, um, you know, I, I've kind of got some mixed feelings from the standpoint of, you know, I don't really love the way he handled a lot of what happened in Pittsburgh. But by the same token, I think what I was saying about Antonio Brown, here's a guy who wants you get him in-house, he's going to want to prove that he is as good as he says he is. And Le'Veon Bell is a special player. And I know that they plugged in other guys who did really, really well. But you look at Bell, and Bell can do so many different things. I think it puts him, you know, cut above than anyone who they plug and played in Pittsburgh. And I know we, you know, we got Isaiah Crowell. I don't know what's going to happen with Bilal Powell. I haven't heard anything on his injury, so I don't really know the likelihood of him being brought back or anything. And uh, Elijah McGuire, I really like, but I don't feel as though he's really shown that he's going to be a special, special back. And Le'Veon Bell, to me, is a special back. They've got the money, um, and it would definitely give Sam Darnold someone who is going to be a threat out of the backfield, both as a receiver and as a running back. And that means you're not going to have 
a ton of guys in the box, and teams are going to have to respect you, respect the pass, and they're not just going to be able to tee off on Darnold and pressure him all the time. So I think adding Le'Veon Bell would be a good thing. Yes, I understand the concerns about him personality-wise and everything, but I don't think that's going to be a problem for the length of a contract that could be, you know, three, maybe four years. And we all know the tail end of a, of a contract doesn't actually add up to anything because that's about the time a guy gets cut. So figure you're going to rent him for two to three years, and I think that's enough time for the Jets to put some, you know, a really nice run together. Maybe not next year, but two years from now, absolutely. If they build the defense right, if the offense gets put together, they get the offensive line going. I think it's a team that could certainly compete, especially in what I think is an, an ever-weakening AFC uh, in the coming years. It's not just going to be through free agency, Andrew. They can go and do the big-ticket shopping there, but they're also going to have to hit on some draft picks. That starts with the number 3 overall pick in the draft. Some rumblings about the Jets maybe looking to trade out of that spot. What do you think? We'll start with number 3 and then move our way through the rest of it. At number three, would you be looking to stay there and target a specific player, or would you be looking to move back? I think if you got the right offer, uh, I think the Jets know they have a lot of holes to fill. So if you got the right offer, I would certainly be interested in moving back. How far back? I mean, it depends on the offer. If I were to stay there, I think you're, you know, you're either looking at an offensive lineman or you're looking at an edge rusher. Now, I haven't really dipped my feet into a uh, draft process quite yet. Uh, just because I'm running around like a chicken without a head lately with other stuff, but um, and and I I'm gonna preface this by saying I have a bit of local glasses on with this, but Josh Allen out of Kentucky is a Montclair guy. That's where I live, and I know his high school coaching staff. Uh, I've talked to the guy several times. I think he's a very very good, uh, a very very good option as an edge rusher. Now, I think you know, I. <laughs> I've seen him go everywhere from like second overall to like 10th, you know, so I don't know where his value is going to be. We'll know better after the combine. Um, but he may be a guy that either you can grab a three or you could trade back and get depending on what the buzz around the league is. And of course, most of the teams kind of have an idea of where they have everybody, you know, rated most of what, all the movement we see on the quote unquote draft boards over the next couple of months. Mostly is the media catching up with the way the NFL is already thinking. So with that in mind, you know, I, I think we'll find out who's got the best value there. I mean, listen, if, if, if Bosa was there at three, I would run to the podium and I would knock Chris Johnson over doing it. I mean, <laughs> that, that's the reality of it. But if he's not there, I think there's going to be a fair amount of edge rushers. And I think there's going to be some good offensive linemen. I think at three, you're in a great position to either get the best pick available, the you know, the best need pick available, or trade back and still have plenty of uh, value. And anybody who trades up is likely to be gunning for someone like a quarterback, which, depending on how far you drop, means there's going to be value dropping to you. So I'd be happy with either outcome. Like I said, I'm a homer. I like Josh Allen, but I'm open to a lot of different possibilities with that pick this early on. Again, like with free agency, I want to see some look at, you know, looking at edge rushers. I want to see some offensive line talent. I want this team to build a defense that is going to keep Sam Darnold from having to win every game by throwing for 35, 40, 50 points. And I want to have a team that has an offensive line that can protect him. Andrew, the Jets don't have a second round pick, but they do have two third rounders. And then they have all the rest of their picks throughout the rest of the way. Any specific players or positions that you'd like to see them fill in the draft? Um, You know, to me, a lot of the is going to be depending on what value drops. 
Uh, certainly, if they don't go offensive line in that first round, I think they're going to want to look at some guys in the third round. Um, but let's be honest, like third, fourth round, you're not necessarily getting the top shelf guys, right? So if you haven't addressed the offensive line, well, hopefully you have addressed the offensive line and an edge rusher by the time you you know get to the draft or pass that first pick. I think at third and fourth round, that's a good time to start looking at skill position players. You know, go find yourself a, a really good wide receiver. Go find yourself a good backup running back. Or, you know, I know we have uh, Chris Herndon, who I think is, is a really nice tight end. But, you know, see what you can get uh, to get yourself a second tight end. You know, uh, look at the skill position. See what kind of weapons you can add for Sam and, uh, and go from there. And listen, those two third round picks, if you really want to, you could probably trade and move up into the second round if there's someone you really like. So I'm totally open to moving those picks if that means the Jets move up and get the guy that they really like who's dropping, and there's always someone like that. So, you know, again, I guess this comes back to McHagnon, <laughs> where we started. You know, do we think he's going to do the right thing? Uh, you know, we'll see. You know, no Christian Hackenbergs, please. Just anything but that. Andrew, last question. Uniforms, any thoughts? Ah, uh, she's, you know, I, I really like the old school uniforms and I haven't had a problem with the uniforms the last couple of years. So I'm not really sure what to think, you know, <laughs> like, what is this all going to turn out to be? Um, you know, I, I kind of like the, uh, I kind of like the jet symbol they've had of the jet with the jets in it. So I kind of like, you know, I would like to see that on the helmet, but I, uh, I'm kind of open. <laughs> like, I don't really, I, you know, I, I have so much going on right now that I sit there and I'm like, eh, just tell me what it's going to look like. As long as it's not, like, blue or, like, you know, there's a giant J on the helmet. You know, it doesn't look like uh, the Packers uh, alternate uniforms that look like, I don't know, nightmares. I don't know. <laughs> as long as it's not that. As long as it's not uh, the uh, the Titans uniforms that the Jets sometimes use or the uh, Bumblebee uniforms from the Steelers. You know, just give me some nice green, a little bit of white, and I think we're good. He's a tremendous football writer for Pro Football Weekly. And he's the only podcast guest I've ever had on so far who got a Snake Plissken reference that I dropped down. So that right there means that he's top of the line. Mr. Andrew Garda. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. For anybody that doesn't know where to find you, why don't you go ahead and let him know. Uh, you can catch me at Andrew underscore Garda on Twitter. Uh, stories by Andrew on Instagram, although that's a little bit slower to come by. And uh, if you happen to like high school sports, I also write for a paper in Montclair, New Jersey called Montclair Local, and you can follow me at Montclair Local Sports, and I give you lots and lots of high school wrestling updates. Sounds good. And lots of tweets about Evil Dead, right? A lot of Evil Dead tweets, not so much on the Montclair feed, but on the Andrew Garter feed. Uh, if you follow the Andrew Garter feed, you will get Evil Dead. You will get lots of comic book and Star Wars references. And uh, as advertised, I am a tremendous nerd, and I'm very proud of it. Absolutely fantastic nerdum. That's why I love reading your tweets because you get a little bit of everything and it's all happy stuff. I don't have to read things that are going to depress me. I get to see about comic books. I get to see about football, high school wrestling, all good. Make sure you're following Andrew right now. Andrew, thanks again so much for coming on. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Great way to finish the Friday roundtable and a great way to start the weekend. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with part four of our in-depth discussion on the career of number 85, Wesley Walker. But in the meantime, for the latest and greatest in New York Jets content and podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.